Hey, how's it going, guys? Man, I got an awesome episode for you guys today. Had a chance to sit down with my good friend, Carrie Lingenfelter, and we just talk about life, leadership, business, really everything. I think you're going to enjoy this episode. You're going to notice a little bit of a gap in the middle because we had a little bit of a technical difficulty, and so the conversation will shift from talking about spending time with our wives to uh, management of people. And so uh, apologize for that little gap. Uh, this is part one of a two-episode series with Carrie, and part two will be coming next week, so be on the lookout for it. As always, if you enjoy this episode, feel free to send me feedback, Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com, and I appreciate you supporting the podcast. See ya. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Blake Benz Podcast. I have a very exciting episode today. I am sitting down with uh, not just someone who I really admire in our Northwest Arkansas community, but also someone who is just really just a great friend. He's done incredible work in the Northwest Arkansas community, and he's also, frankly, done incredible work in getting my business going and, and getting me connected with the right people. Uh, you're going to love this episode. I am sitting across from Carrie Lingenfelter, who is the Chief Engagement Officer over at Home Instead Senior Care. And we're going to be talking a little bit about his business. We're also going to be talking about leadership. We're going to be talking about authenticity, which is a value that him and I both, uh, we very much believe in for our own lives. Carrie, thanks for being here today. How are you doing? Doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm actually super stoked. So good, good. Thank you. Well, you know, Carrie, it feels like that every time we sit down, it's almost like it feels like we talk. It, it feels like we just talk endlessly, right? Yeah. It's very easy for us to talk to each other. And I think it's because we both kind of have the same philosophies in a lot of ways. Uh, and we met, you know, a couple of years back and yeah. there's kind of been that connection. It's like the bro connection a little bit. It is, you know, most definitely. And uh, I'm very impressed that you made it here today because the listeners can't see, but you're you're in a walking boot or you've, right. you've taken it off for now. So you're taking a break from it <laughs> That's now. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I don't know if you want to tell the story of what happened. I know you have a couple of different versions. But... Oh yeah, I've been telling uh, some great stories over the last couple of months. So, mm. but if you'll remember, it was exactly uh, two months ago that we had a meeting set up with one of your former podcast guests. Oh yeah, and I broke my leg That's in right. two places. That's the right. Day before that meeting, yes. the three of us were going to get together. Yeah. And uh, we had set that up for about 7.30 in the morning, coffee yeah. at Onyx, yeah. an amazing coffee house here in Northwest yep. Arkansas, and uh, was so excited to get to meet Stephanie and heard you talk about her um, a lot and uh, felt like she was somebody I really needed to meet. Sure. So I didn't want to miss that opportunity, both to hang out with you and also meet somebody that you admired as well. Sure. And... Uh, Needless to say, that afternoon was roller skating with my kid, um, broke my leg in two places, but didn't know that it was broken because right. I didn't go to the hospital. Right. And I said, ah, it's injured. Uh, it's either going to be torn or uh, if it is something that's bad, it's going to be displaced. I really didn't think that it was broke. And that, uh, that morning I got up, a friend had brought by a walking boot for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I put on an ace bandage, wrapped it up nice yeah. and tight, put it in a boot and I, I headed to see you guys. Well, and, and I think that's a good starting point for our, our episode today because, you know, and, and 
for the listeners, we're gonna we're gonna hit a a whole handful of different topics, and I, you know, it's I, I encourage you. It's almost like drinking from a fire hose. There's a lot to drink up from the wisdom of Carrie today, <laughs> and there's a lot I admire you about about you, Carrie. But there was something that really resonated with me when we met that morning, because like you said, it was seven thirty in the morning. Yeah, you had broken your leg in two places. Yeah. Uh, the day before, right, or That's two days right. before? No, it was the day, the day before. before. Yeah, and this wasn't like any normal break. Uh, Carrie, right now, for our listeners, has what is it? A plate, a and- plate, a pen, and seven screws. Yeah, in my leg now. <laughs> so it wasn't an, an easy break. It was a bad break, <laughs> it a really was. bad break. And it I was. think. I think I walked away from our meeting that morning. Other other than the conversation with Stephanie uh, and the the uh, person he's referencing is Stephanie Medford, who's the CEO of Ronald McDonald House Charities uh, of Arcoma. There's a previous episode you can check out on that. I think it's episode 35 or somewhere around, around there. But uh, other than that great conversation we had together, I think what I really I took away from that time with you was two things. One, I felt really respected and honored that Absolutely. you were obviously in, I mean, I can only assume you're in tremendous pain. It, it I, was bad. Well, I think, you know, what's funny too, is I think people, you know, you see like, wow, you must be in a lot of pain and people will be like, no, I'm okay. And you were like, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so you clearly were in a lot of pain, but so I felt really respected that you kept the appointment, but it also taught me a lot about, there's a difference between people who they overcome their circumstances. Right. And it's like, okay, I scheduled that time. I mean, you had every reason oh yeah not to be there yeah yeah you know but i was not gonna miss that right that that opportunity with both of you guys well and it makes me think of this other person who i talked to uh who helps run a business and she came to a breakfast we were having and she had broken her foot the night before oh really she had i think her husband had like really frustrated her and she instead of (laughs) kicking her husband she kicked the couch Uh and she broke her foot and again, had every reason not to be there, but still came to the breakfast the next morning. And it it feels like, and I don't know if it's in entrepreneurship, I don't know if it's with uh, just business owners in general, but it's kind of like the excuse mentality versus the whatever it takes mentality. That's it. You know, where it's like, you know, oh, there's always a reason why I can't versus I got to, like I have to. It's I'm a not must. Gonna. Yeah. And and so let's let's park there for a second. Talk to me about that mindset for you. I mean, what... What's built into you over the years that's made you kind of be this, you know, yeah, I just broke my leg horrendously. Right. And but I'm going to this meeting. Right. You know, I mean, let's let's unpack that a little bit. Well, there are a lot of things I can point to for sure that have helped sculpt that mindset within me. Um, And as recently as when I first met you and I learned about personality types, um, from you, I realized that there there is certainly a type of person um, that that probably has an, an aptitude for leaning into uh, that natural ability. But it it is not something that that gets developed unless there's an effort to develop it. Um, and the reason I say that is just because of the interactions I've had with so many people in my life. So I know that my mother was somebody that had grit and fortitude and she was able to push through things that most people wouldn't be able to. Um, I've seen my father do the same thing. Uh, he had a horrible motorcycle accident when I was a teenager and I actually took care of him for over a year. But I watched that man pick himself up, um, put himself back into shape and to go back to being a, a member of society and helping others. 
Um, so again, there's no one thing that I can point to that makes that a part of who I am, but it is certainly something that both through observation and then through my own trials and tribulations, I've learned is a really important trait. And I try to make sure intentionally that if I make a commitment, then I honor that commitment. Um, if I make a commitment with myself, then I honor that commitment as well. And that's probably the one I have the most challenging time with. Mm. Um, it is a lot easier to um, write myself a blank check and then, you know, tear it up and throw it away versus doing that with somebody else. Right. So, well, and it, it makes me think of there's those people who, you know, one of my pet peeves for myself is canceling on someone. Mm. Like when I've made an appointment with someone and I cancel, especially if it's the day of. Oh yeah. Uh, which now that I say that we were supposed to connect, <laughs> we're supposed to record a podcast episode and I canceled last minute. I wasn't going to say that, you know, but, but it really is. It's a personal pet peeve of sure. mine. And I say that in the sense of it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me that much when other people do it. But for me, it's one of those things where I feel like, man, I really missed the mark. Like I really, that was a real mess up when I don't yeah. follow through with that. Um, so you've talked a little bit about yourself and kind of what drives you in sort of your philosophy. I, I'm really curious your perspective on people who don't have that. And it's like mm. they don't have the whatever it takes gene. Sure. You know, and it's 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 people who there's so on the harshest side of the spectrum, it's the there's always an excuse. There's always a reason why it didn't work. Yep. What do those people lack? Well, so it is also a learned trait, I believe. And I feel that people, for whatever reason, um, acquired a sense of loss and associated that sense of loss with pain and how uncomfortable they were, um, how it made them feel, and they didn't like it. And so what they decided to do is rather than set themselves up for more pain, then we will use the excuse that it doesn't matter mm. that we're not we're not required to be there that it's not mm. a must and then they don't have to hold themselves accountable which let's face it that's that's the hardest thing of all that's the one thing when when you don't respect yourself and you don't hold yourself accountable when you're not disciplined mm. that gives you a, a you know just a horrible feeling inside right um, I'm fortunate that I get to work with those that have lived a lot of life and have a, have a lot of experiences and stories to tell and um, experiences to share. And through that, you're, you're able to glimpse a little bit into, you know, a, a, a future um, that you otherwise may not be able to realize. And if you're able to put yourself in their in their mindset, in that frame of mind. And as they look back and they share with you their perspective on others and personality types and traits, you, you really can glean some insight into that. Mm -hmm. um, what's, what's really amazing is as they approach end of life, that takes on a whole different perspective. And things that had value aren't as valuable. And the things that they didn't value as much become extremely valuable. Like what? So, for instance, time with a loved one, hmm. for example, right? I know, I know <laughs> I'm guilty of this because I work well, so much. It's, it's so funny what you're even, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's funny because I think everyone would say, yeah, of course. Right. Of course I care. Right. 
about time with my loved one. Right. I mean, I'm thinking about joy, my wife. Or it's like, yeah, that's number one. Of course. But but, but is it though? Well. You know, and so keep going though. So what you do is you enhance other human beings' lives. You give value to other people in your work. Sure. Which is why you're so motivated to do right. what you do. Right. So in a way, you're you're impacting other human beings and you're doing it on a mass scale, right? Whereas with you and Joy, it is one-on-one. And when you impact her, you're doing it one-on-one. So the gift that you give to her is great, but it's one human being. And you know <laughs> that the gift you can give to so many others yeah. um, will be multiplied, right? So right. there's this little moral Tension. battle that yeah. goes on inside. That's right, yeah. At least that's the way I feel. Yeah, um, sure. And I may be projecting on you, but no, I know I mean, that's the struggle that I have, right? Mm. When I work too late or when I... I get up super early in the morning and I know I really didn't have to be somewhere until nine o'clock, but I left the house at six 30 so that I could go get two more hours in when I probably could have stayed and wake, woken my kids up and help them get ready for school and help my wife get off to her day. So yeah, it's a constant moral battle. Yeah. Constantly. So you're saying people towards the end of their life, they really, they'll tell you that it wasn't worth that extra hour at work. <laughs> they really will. They'll yeah. say that the value of the time that you spend with the ones that are closest to you um, is far greater. Mm. So, well, it makes me think of um, there's a story I was told, and it always makes me a little bit uncomfortable. It's and I, don't, I I'm a little vague on the details, but it was basically like this traveling speaker, and was like this renowned speaker, and wasn't getting any time at home with his wife and his son, and the son was just doing really poorly in school and was getting into some really bad influences and. Uh, the wife basically called the, the husband and said, you know, hey, I know you're you're out there being this incredible speaker, but you you have a son at home who is not being parented, right? Who doesn't have that father figure, and uh, there's a lot of pretty. Uh, I know it scares me. Scary data on uh, the absence of a father and what that right. means for it. And even in, in absence doesn't mean you know that the father's out of the picture. I mean, you can have a dad who's who's present but absent right and, you oh, know yeah. and, so that, that terrifies me to death sure but so you know she really challenged her husband and the husband gave up the speaking gig and came home and really just focused on his son and the thing that makes me the reason i said it's an uncomfortable story is because he let go of so much momentum for his business that he never got that back like right once his son kind of got to the age of i think maybe at the time he was uh, maybe into his early his early uh, teenager years. Once the son kind of got into his late teens, where he was kind of becoming his own man, you know, the dad tried to return to that business, and it was it was just it was a lost opportunity. Sure. And and so for me, just hearing that story, I think okay, would I give away my influence that I would like to think would one day be worldwide? Would I give away that influence for the people who are in my closest circle? Right. It's kind of a scary. Well, I, don't I know. think your what you're crafting there is a potential roadblock to overcome. Because uh, I think it was Tom Bellew and and Tony Robbins interview where Tom was interviewing Tony and Tony was was talking about the impact that 
a parent can have on their child. And it's not so much the number of hours that you work in a day, right? but it's the energy that you put into the time you have with your children when you're there. Right. Um, and I want to say, I've even heard Jordan Peterson reference this. Um, so I don't think that it has to be one or the other, but I think you really have to be intentional about the time that you do have and the way that you spend that time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I know I'm, I'm, I'm constantly reminding myself how valuable it is to get to spend time with my wife. She has a job that is kind of opposite work hours from my work hours. And so we're, we're kind of like, uh, you know, high-fiving each other when it comes to the kids because we're tagging in and tagging out. Okay, your turn. No, it's my turn. And uh, we don't spend as much time with one another. And so we've gotten to a point where we really have to sit down and be intentional about the time that we spend with one another. And that's what I love about what you and Joy have done. I think you guys actually set a kind of a date time. Mm. Um, and I brought that up to my wife and Jenny thought it was a great idea. And um, it just seems like our schedules are so fluid that sometimes we'll set it and it's in mm. concrete and then it gets sideswiped by something else yeah, that's right. going on. So. Well, for us, it's like... Um, for us, it was kind of, what I was thinking was there's this woman who lives in my home who I see every day. And one of my greatest fears would be that we would not know each other. Right. You know, that it's and yeah. it's not even like the cliche of like, oh, you've you've you went from, you know, this intimate relationship to now you're just roommates. It's like we don't even know each other anymore. Right. right. And so and we've only been married for five years, but it's it, it's. I'm trying to be proactive and thinking of, okay, how do I hang on to right. that? It says a lot about your character that you're having that internal conversation, though. No, I mean. It does. No, because I there mean, are people that won't take the time to really think sure, about that. Sure. And that's that's the result, right? Mm-hmm. The result is. Well, yeah. you were saying that I had managed hundreds of oh, yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. So, which is true. I have. Yeah. I, I, well, it's funny because I think maybe you feel like I'm embellishing you, but I'm not. I mean, no, I, no. you have managed hundreds of people, right? I and have. so, uh, and I, I think you know, we're having a little bit of a technical difficulty here. I'm curious as to what has equipped you to be able to be a good boss, which I know I know you would feel hesitant to say that. Yes. But, but knowing you, I know you are, but also kind of like your philosophy of leadership. Like, how do you approach management? Yeah. Well, I am always trying to improve. So I feel like that's first and foremost my mindset. I am trying to grow. I am trying to try things and learn from them and develop my uh, file cabinet of memories so that when it works, I can duplicate that. I can repeat it and I can help people faster than I did before. But at, at the end of the day, um, I am now the leader. I'm now the conductor. I'm now the coach. I'm now... Right at the front of the pack and Mm -hmm. I've played the game and I've played it enough to know, you know, if we do this together in this way, we're going to be successful. Right. Um, so I, I, I work really hard to help people understand what the goal is and then that we're all a part of a team. We're a part of a network and then what the value is of the work that that person's doing to help the team. Because at the end of the day, it's not in, in my work, it's the service that we provide to others. So the value is in the performance. 
It's not as though we're carpenters. We're not crafting a piece of furniture that will be the way it is when we're done. It is a constantly evolving um, product. And so we want to constantly be improving. Uh, one of the things we talk about on my team currently is how we are catalysts for change. We just know that we're going to have to adapt and morph to whatever circumstances come our way. Um, for instance, we, you know, had major rule and regulation changes to our industry not that long ago. And, um, it changed our business model. It changed the way we do business. And we could have, you know, gotten frustrated and gotten paralyzed and not overcome those new challenges. Or we could know that we're capable of overcoming that. We adapt and we get stronger. And that's exactly what we've done. So. Yeah. Well, that's really an incredible story. And it's, but I think I want to back up a little bit because, you know, you talk about, and it's it's very obvious that you have ambition and you have this drive to improve and get better. And uh, before we had some technical difficulties, you had said actually before the microphone had cut out, you had said that, you know, sort of your first taste of leadership was that, you know, just like everybody else, you, you've been on a team, you've been on sports teams or music yeah. teams or what have you. And so you, you know, you've kind of seen firsthand, even from a young age, you know, what does it look like to operate on a high level? But I think the, what I'd want to challenge that is almost everyone has had that shared experience. Almost every person has been on some kind of team in some way. Yeah. But you don't see every person maintain the same ambition that you have of, I have to get better. I have to practice. I have to improve. Sure. What is it that's special about you that, that, that allowed you to hold on to that? Well, first of all, there's nothing special about me. Okay. <laughs> Second of all, um, I've certainly had my moments where I've, I've had to pick myself back up out of the dirt and try again. Um, and sometimes those moments lasted longer than other times. And again, it's that internal, um, desire to not feel that way, to not be at the bottom, to not be in the dirt, um, that will help drive me to continue to improve. But my, my internal goal is to help other people. So that is even bigger than not wanting to feel bad, right? Mm, yeah. Um, being able to figure out a way that I can help all of those around me, those within my community, um, you know, those within my inner circle and then their outer circle. How do I, how do I help them? That drives me. But I get where, excited about but it. Where did that come from? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, cause not everyone has that, I, right? I guess and, maybe and, not. Well, and I, I mean, I don't guess I know it. Okay. I mean, I know it. I mean, and I think maybe you have much more of an optimistic worldview than I do. But you and I have both been in the room with, and I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. So, sure. You know, my listeners don't be insecure. But you and I have both been in a room with someone else who that isn't their prerogative. Right. You know, it's not the impact they're making outside of themselves. It's very much th themselves and their own ego, ego, their own title, you know. And so, oh, yeah. you know, so we've we've met people like that. And so I, I think what's interesting listening to you is, is how you describe your perspective on life is such a stark contrast to other people out in the 
community, in the workforce, what have you. Okay. Well, maybe I've surrounded myself with more people that think that way, so <laughs> maybe, it's not as yeah. obvious to me. But I do know I've been around plenty of people that I, that I've seen that in, who who give so much to the world and who have influenced me very positively. Also, go through those moments in time where they become very self-absorbed and driven by ego, and they're not in a good place when they're in those moments. They're really not, and that's when you pull away. That's when you don't spend as much time around that person right now. Mm. Um, doesn't change the fact that you love and adore them. Just means they're not in a healthy place for you to be in their space. And so you, you, you know, I think you have an internal barometer. I think we're all capable of intuition. Interestingly, I heard recently that men's intuition is every bit as strong and as good as women's intuition. And I was floored by that because mm. for the longest time, I've always thought, well, women are so intuitive. Like that's something I want to develop in myself. I don't know how they do that, but really we all have that ability. It's just women do a much better job listening to their intuition mm. in everyday life. Yeah. Like they're willing to go with their gut feeling mm. when something doesn't feel right. We, or at least me, as a guy, I will, I'll find a way to logically work around whatever gut feeling I have because I'm trying to accomplish a task, right? Mm -hmm. uh, my personality type is task driven. I want to see the goal, know the goal. What do I have to do to accomplish the goal sure. and then go do it? Yeah. So, um, I, I feel as though everybody has the ability to care more about others than they care about themselves and find ways to do that. Um, maybe they just don't realize the value of that path and they don't spend enough time looking within to realize that that's the way they get to where they want to be. Hmm. You, you actually make me think of a friend of mine. He pastors a church, but he was saying that his philosophy for his church was, he, and I'm butchering the quote, but he basically said something like, I don't want to be a church that it's all about come to the church donate money to the church, sure. be in the church. I want to be a very, for better words, extroverted church in that we're in the community, we're serving people, we're That's serving it. the poor, yeah. serving the homeless, you know, and, and we were having this back and forth about it. And I said, well, you know, some people don't, unfortunately, and again, not to sound like the cynic, but some people just don't, they don't want that. So you, know, you, you make a valid point. Well, what? let me, well, before okay. you say anything, let me say this. What he countered me with, which has always stuck with me, was he said, if you give people a taste of having that impact on someone, they'll crave it their whole life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have that first moment where you got to have, you you got to make a difference for someone else yeah. in any way possible. And for the rest of their life, they're, it's, like, it's like chasing a high. They're going to want to have that influence because yeah. they realize, wow, I did something beyond myself. That's it. Right? And so, I, so maybe people who aren't uh, as hungry in that way, maybe they haven't had that first taste yet. Yeah, you know? no, I, I think know. that's absolutely on point. Um, and maybe they have and didn't know how to interpret it. Yeah, sure. um, But from a macro level, like if I zoom out and zoom back in time, what immediately jumped into my mind when you talked about him were the Sisters of Mercy. There is this amazing health care organization within our community 
um, mainly within the Midwest in the United States, but they're huge. They're massive. Uh, the Sisters of Mercy and Mercy Health Systems. Um, I'll put in a plug for them because I'm closely <laughs> tied to them. But sure, yeah. um, raised Catholic, believe in a lot of the similar philosophies that the Sisters of Mercy have. But ultimately, that was all spawned from uh, someone who was not a nun, someone who was not a nurse who didn't leave the lead the traditional life path in the 1800s but wanted to help people wanted to serve others and ultimately became a lifelong caregiver to a very affluent man within the community um and you know family members died and she was right there by his side um she she did things like teach um, the young kids within the community and, and developed an education program for a for a poor population within the community. Um, the affluent individual was always inspired by the good works that she did and ultimately on his deathbed gave everything to her. And she took this massive fortune and started a hospital. And it was a hospital that didn't charge. It just took in people <laughs> in need. And took care of them, right? Yeah, well. And it was mainly ran by nuns who eventually were taught in the ways of medicine and became nurses. And here we are almost a couple of hundred years later, and it is one of the powerhouse healthcare entities within the world, wow. giving back to the community in ways that we will never fully know, touching lives, making lives better. And every day I see the good work that they do and I'm blown away by it, right? It inspires me. It makes mm. me want to do more. And I think that there are probably entities out there that are like, what the heck? What is this mercy thing going on? You know, um, you know, why didn't they pay their bill? Well, they're a nonprofit organization and <laughs> maybe they didn't get the, the income yeah. to be able to pay for that. So sure. they're trying to do some fundraising grant writing, what have you. But, um, yeah, there are ways that we can create that ripple in the pond hmm. where we drop the pebble today. We may not know how it affects the other side of the hmm. pond tomorrow. So let's, let's get this, let's make this really challenging. Let's really process this even further. So a, a, a common conversation that I run into in management is how do I get my people motivated? And what I tell them in return is something along the lines of, you know, you're, you, you can't, you know, there's, there's plenty of things that you can do that are superficial. And it's the things that you see that are like, you know, hey, guys, if we do well this week, we'll have a pizza party or something. You know, like sure. the really like sure. um, kind of cheesy. It's superficial because the impact is very short lived. It's, it's yeah. only as meaningful as whatever the reward is. And then there's other companies where their employees, there's so much autonomy and they do so well with that autonomy because every employee is desperate to see the impact of the organization. Yeah. Right. I mean, they yeah. really they 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 share with the owner in this vision of what we do is so important. Right. right. So my question to you, again, as someone who's managed a lot of people, how do you create that hunger in someone? Like, how do you create that that passion and desire where someone you know, they, they have that sense of maybe it's a sense of urgency of yeah. I, my, my day really matters for the impact that I can make. Yeah. Well, good question. Still working on that one. <laughs> um, but I will Pass. say that, you know, that there, there are 
certainly philosophies and strategies that make a lot of sense, right? Um, one of which is tying that action to a purpose. Um, if that individual believes in the, the goal, then they're going to find a way to be motivated internally. And that was kind of what you described in the second one. In the first one, um, yeah, I, I don't know if they believe in the mission. So what do they believe in? Well, you, you're going to have to dig deep. You're going to have to find that out. Um, you know, some of the best coaches in the world have also become some of the best business people in the world. And it's because a coach isn't just telling you what to do and how to do it. A coach is going to put his arm around you whenever you didn't get it done. And he's going to say, it's okay. Let's try harder. We'll get them next time. Let's go practice. And then the coach is going to spend time with you, to use the analogy, on the ball field, right? Um, working on those skills that he knows is going to make you more able the next time you're up to bat. So, yeah, I think maybe when you're talking about motivations, um, you utilize tools like positive reinforcements, like pizza parties, right? Um, but that's not the driving factor. That's just to say, thank you for doing a good job. Mm. Right. Yeah. So it's all in how you frame those events. Mm. Um, and certainly, you know, I, I battle with budgetary decisions all the time. Right. Sure. Uh, I want to show appreciation, but where is this going to come from in the budget? <laughs> right. Right. So if you, if you have a must though, in other words, a purpose, in other words, the thing that has to be done, you're going to find a way to do it. And so maybe for those that are asking that question, they, they haven't locked onto the must yet. Yeah. And, and maybe it's, you know, maybe part of the role of management is you're helping people mature in the mm -hmm. sense of, uh, and not, and I hate to use that really in the sense of, I, I don't like people to think of their job as like a parent, like you're parenting your people. But it feels like in some ways you have people who come to your business and, you know, they're, they're all in different places in their journey. That's right. Right. And some people have, I mean, let's, if we want to make this really tactical, self-awareness, for example, sure. some people are so self-aware and they're aware of what drives them. They're aware of what they care about. They're aware of like their value system and they've come to your business because they know how does this complement what this business is doing. Other people, they haven't. They haven't matured in that way yet, sure, right? And maturity right. has nothing to do with age. No. You, you can have someone who, wherever they are in their, with their age, they just haven't had the opportunity to really think on those things. It's like sometimes I'll talk to someone and I'll say, you know, on like the very superficial end of it, you know, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? Well, I don't know. And it's like, how could you be 30 and not know what <laughs> you enjoy right. doing, right? And, right. But there's people out there who they don't. I don't know what I believe in and I don't mean that like in a in a religious or spiritual way but I don't know what I believe in in terms of like what are the driving factors in my life and so yeah. it's hard to know which wagon to hitch myself to because I don't even really know what my part to play is. Well, and it's a beautiful point. Um I want to take you back just a little bit to the maturity topic as well because it's the maturity of the leadership too. Wow, yeah. I mean one of my favorite stories that you tell about yourself is driving a bread truck and, oh. <laughs> you know, ruining the day, yeah. right? Oh my Been gosh. Yeah. Given this incredible responsibility. Right. Um, and instead of stepping up, you stepped in it. Right. Um, and you had someone who embraced you. That's right. And yeah. said, it's okay. Yeah. 
you know, expensive for me, but you're never going to forget that lesson. Right. Right. (laughs) And so it takes, it takes somebody that's been through the ringer a few times with maybe a few different people and a few different um, personality types who are also in their varying stages of maturity Mm -hmm. and they learn Mm -hmm. from those interactions. Well, and it takes a leader who can think long-term. You know, it's, it's, I I have a level of security for myself in that I'm okay with this person, not quite being there yet, right? but I see where they can go and I'm willing to steward that. Yeah. Even if it takes, because a lot of people don't, a lot of owners don't have that patience of, you know, yes, they're high potential, but I don't want to spend my own time and resources to invest in them. I want, I want, I want it now. I want right? what I want, right? But the challenge with that, I think the caveat is that every owner says that, or a lot of owners say that, but many times you can't afford the, that person, you know, you right. can't find that person or that person doesn't want to come work for you. They want to go work for, you know, the next level up in their mind. And so wow. I think sometimes, you know, removing the ego of who we deserve as business owners and instead finding people who, and I think it's, a, it's a real tension. It's, it's how do I hold someone accountable Yep. To the job that I've hired them for. Yeah. But also, man, I, I want to have the patience and the clarity of mind to guide them wherever they're going on their professional journey. That's it. That's it. I'll I'll segue a little bit here. Recently I spent some time in a geriatric management course put on by uh, a federal agency. And fortunate that I get to be, you know, exposed to that information and Uh, The particular scope of project I was learning about was interdisciplinary um, teamwork. And the reason that's important is that in healthcare, you're going to have a lot of different specialties. And within those specialties, you're going to have a varying degree of ability. And within, you know, each one of those roles, they all have critical pieces that matter to the person or the patient or the the point of focus, right? And so you you really need a leader that understands all of those different layers mm-hmm. and yeah. can help blend them together in a way where they can separate the ego enough to be able to get what needed to be accomplished, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what you just described is business owners struggling with whether or not I make this long-term decision to invest in this employee or I go ahead and pony up what it's going to cost me over the next two years to go hire the person I want right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I, I think they need to change perspective a little bit. They need to think about putting together an interdisciplinary team model for what they're trying to accomplish. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Well, and it, you know, and here's another take on it. That's really would not be sexy in leadership. There's an organization called um, Child Advocacy Center of Benton County. Yes. And I'm a huge fan of them. Yes. And I remember, uh, and I'm just looking at our our battery power for whatever reason just is not holding out here. Uh, So maybe we need to wrap up and do a part two sometime soon. Would love it. But here's what I'll say is I was talking to the executive director and she was saying they have a pretty significant turnover. And it's, it's less about like the toxicity of the workplace. And it's just because... In in her nonprofit, they're seeing they're seeing kids who have been abused. Yes, and so it's emotionally exhausting. It is, and it's such a um, it's such a uh, yeah. As you can imagine, there's just there's a lot that you take home with you 
right. after a day there. And so she was saying, you know, we have people who there's, there's a higher turnover than we'd like. And so people don't stay here long term. And so we were talking about investing in her people. And she said, yeah, I want to invest in my people because even if they're only with me for a short period of time, I'm enhancing their ability and their professional journey for the next job and the next job. And that's always stuck with me because it's like not a lot of owners think about I'm going, it's, it's, it's very selfless. I'm going to give my revenue part of that money towards developing you and you may not be with me long term. That's right. Whereas the opposite of that are the owners who say, well, yeah, I'm going to invest in this person, but I'm going to give them a golden handcuff. You have to be with me for the next five years. What's the ROI? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's, you know, I don't know. Well, I I think that we're human beings and we're complex and there as yet is not one way to do a thing. And I think that all we can do is continue to try things and see if they work. And if they don't learn from it and learn what not to do next time. Right. And then, surround ourselves or get close to those that have figured some things out. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Uh, it's one of the reasons why I like spending so much time with you. And every time I get an opportunity to, I really invest in that moment. Um, And you've exposed me to other people that are like that. Right. And so the more I can be around you guys, the more I can spend time with you, the more I benefit as a leader. Right. Um, And I think that what can happen is we close ourselves off to the world as owners, as leaders, we, we get so locked into the end goal that we forget the value of exposure to other successful people, entities, perspectives, uh, frames of mind. And so we just, we need to be constantly, um, stopping and smelling the roses a little bit. Well, I mean, you even mentioned interdisciplinary, you have people who say, uh, well, you know, you're not in logistics, so I don't really want to learn from you. And it's like, we're all managing people. That's it. You know, we're all trying to grow our businesses That's right. or, or away from like the business world. We're all trying to have a meaningful life. Right. You know, so why not smell the roses and learn what you can from really anybody? Yes. Right. Yeah. So I hate that we're going to have to end this a little bit short. Uh, I am really excited though, cause I already know we're going to find a time to sit down and I'm going to figure out this battery thing. And uh, get, give people the full benefit of really hearing you. Uh, in the meantime, is it okay if people reach out to you? Please, absolutely. What's that the best be way for people to do that? So um, I'd love to do a quick plug for Home Instead. So Please, yeah. um, my email address is carry.lingenfelter at homeinstead.com. And uh, I'm sure that my name will be in the caption somewhere on this podcast. Um, they can always call 479-936-9885. Uh, or go to homeinstead.com. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for listening. As always, you can email Carrie or you can email myself and let me know what you thought of the episode. Uh, Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. And stay tuned for part two coming down the pike. We'll see you later. Take care.